0: Hi and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. This week's episode is with Justin Hamilton and uh, we spoke about art and uh, music and commercial radio, a bit of same-sex marriage, a bit of uh, discussion about mediation and violence against women in art. There's a bunch more stuff there. We had a very long conversation and I really enjoyed talking to Justin as I always do. Look him up online. He's Justin Hamilton underscore on Twitter and is also all over the internet and all over the place. Uh, I think he's doing a live show coming up with Rove at Giant Dwarf in Sydney. So if you're interested in that and if you're in Sydney, go look up the details. For LA listeners, I'll be in LA from the 5th to the 15th of October. I'll be doing some shows at the Hollywood Improv as well as being at the LA Podcast Festival if you are there. I look forward to meeting you, just say hello, Uh, don't be afraid, I'm not a scary person. Uh, Thank you everybody who's been subscribing to the Patreon, I have been really encouraged to receive some emails from you who've been recommended to me by friends. If you like the podcast, um, that's something you can do, if you like my work generally, if you like the resistance, sending the link to friends is an incredible thing. I have more m- new merch up I have uh, on my website, alicefraser.com. If you want to email me and chat, fraser at com is the place. Uh, and if there's anything that you'd like me to talk about, let me know. I've been, again, I've had some of my most interesting topics being suggested to me by listeners. And um, I really like it. It makes, me, it makes me happy to know that you're interested in hearing what I have to say about something. Uh, Or if you disagree with me on something, I also want to know about that. I am not sure that I'm ever right. So uh, this is a podcast for airing ideas and airing angles on things, uh, feeling out ideas. I'm really super open to uh, not, not contradiction, not aggression, but to another angle on something that I might not have seen or that I might have seen and dismissed too quickly. That being said, thank you everyone who supports me, thank you for all the emails, thank you for all of the follows and um, I am, I'm in a grateful mood at the moment. I'm trying to relax uh, after Edinburgh and it's not working very well. The Just for Laughs comedy gala I recorded on the night I came back from the UK and that was fun. I had, if you've been reading my blog had a heckler, which is not what you expect at a television um screaming. And then I tried to take as much time off as possible. See my dad, he's um he's fixing up our house to sell it at the moment, so there's a lot of help helping to be done, a lot of work to be done. It's very strange sleeping in the empty shell of a home. Uh coming back to a house with nothing in it. Um it's it's a strange it is a strange feeling, particularly as my stuff in Melbourne has also been packed up. So uh, coming home to Dad is definitely coming home, especially going for swims at the beach. makes me feel very much like I'm back in Sydney. There's nothing that makes me happier uh, than... And I n- this I don't want this to sound patronising, but than old people swimming. I think it's because our culture is so youth-oriented, so much... that tells us so much that the only way to be happy is to be young and beautiful and the only joys in life are the joys of the young and beautiful and just seeing people who are doing the most pleasurable thing being in their bodies in the ocean uh, maybe it's because mum loved it so much when it was the only pleasure she could really partake in Uh, I don't know, I don't know what it is but it makes me really happy to see older people uh, in in their cozies at the beach, just being people, and they did this. They had this race. I was at Wiley's Baths the other day with my dad, uh, and they had a race. Uh, but the race was everybody pick the time that they think they will get in this distance, and the person who hits the end of the race, closest to their time, to their predicted time, wins. So in a way, maybe I'm refining on it too much. I mean, you're only competing against yourself, but you're also only competing against or competing towards your own uh, self-assessment, how accurate you are in your understanding of yourself. And you can set your own goals and you can meet your own challenges. It, It just made me really it was a really joyous moment for me and i'm trying i'm trying to fight off a little bit of um something something pulling me down at the moment just some because i've had this sickness i don't often get sick and i've i've just been sick not getting better as quickly as i'd like uh, not bouncing back as quickly as i'd like it was not um uh, that's the kind of thing that makes anybody a bit down and particularly uh, me, either because I'm, I don't get sick often so I'm not good at dealing with it, classic sort of man flu thing uh, or because of the history of my family, uh, it just gets me down when I'm sick so I'm, I'm making a concerted effort to take joy in being home, being with my dad uh, being in the ocean, meeting friends, having tea getting bits and pieces of work done in a non-pressurised way, it makes me... Uh, yeah, it's, it feels like doing something. I'm not very good... I've, I've been trying to get on to sending out invoices. I'm not good at getting paid, guys. Uh, I am doing it, though. I am I'm working. I, I think it's a, it's a very bad trend in the arts to be uh, bad at admin. I, I try to do the job... But when I am a little bit sick, that is the first thing that goes is my organisation because it's not natural to me. It's not native to me. I work very hard to be organised and on top of things. So if uh, if that's like if you are like that, uh, send me an email, hit me up on Twitter at alliterative a l i t e r a t i v e. The blog is up at Patreon patreon.com/slash Alice Fraser. This is a looser and more rambling intro than I'm used to, and this is quite a long conversation. So. Uh, Without further ado, I will let you get on with listening to this episode. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed having the conversation in the first place. You are having tea with Alice. See you next week.
1: Who are you and what are you drinking?
2: Uh, My name is Justin Troy Hamilton. Uh, I was born on the 20th of the night, 1972, which means I've just turned 45, which to me is hilarious. I don't know what has happened but since I turned 45 and I tell people I've turned 45 I don't there's just something intrinsically funny about it and and I think I feel better at 45 than I did at 41 to 44.
1: That's interesting I I think there's that thing where part of you always drinking coffee oh you're drinking coffee yeah Uh, what kind of coffee it was
2: just you know straight up long black nice yeah yeah respect yeah
1: Uh, my dad always says you don't realise that you're an age, right? You, you always think of yourself as 21 mm. in your head and then mm. you talk to a 21-year-old and you're like, oh, I am not 21.
2: Oh, my <laughs> Lord, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe I just uh, took a while to ease into 45. But um, it's... Uh, I, I think what it was... Uh, I, I didn't particularly uh, enjoy my last couple of years of living in Melbourne. And uh, that was around the... Around 41 to 43. I just, you know, uh, I think, um, uh, you know, guys in their early 40s, uh, you know, it's a fairly well-known thing. That's uh, that's the the, the high end of the suicide rate. Yeah, it's
1: an at-risk group.
2: It is, yeah, big time. I I was very lucky. Uh, A friend of mine, uh, uh, Richard Fardler, uh, told me in my early 30s, when I was maybe about 32, he he had a couple of uh, friends male friends who committed suicide at uh, around that age and uh, he uh, just really drummed it into me he said look it's not going to mean anything to you now but just be aware just try to be aware when it happens and uh, yeah i just uh, 40 turning 40 felt great i was like oh 40 you know always feels good you know when there's a zero on the end it's like boom all right let's do this and then uh, somewhere between 41 and 43, around that kind of period, uh, I was I was quite depressed and it uh, affected me in many different ways, you know, uh, actions to things and, uh, you know, approach to life and kind of stifled me uh, quite a bit creative, uh, creatively as well. And uh, I think what it was, I, I, I'm sure it would be different for... All guys uh, who get to that age. Uh, but for me, it felt like everyone had just decided this is who you are. Ah. For better or worse, the good aspects, the bad aspects.
1: You're formed. You're fully formed. You're done.
2: Yeah, this is it. That's a, and that to me is a really depressing thought. Yes. And uh, I, didn't, uh, I didn't want to subscribe to that. I had no real interest in uh, in being that version of me, and I felt like it kind of ended up. Uh, I, I feel like I ended up being a worse version of me because of it. Because, uh, you know, sometimes you you wanted to rebel against it, and, and uh, sometimes part
1: of the person who you're fixed as is a nice person, so you wanted to rebel against that. Yeah, I guess so.
2: <laughs> yeah, you you know you uh, you know you be a bit of a shit in certain situations and. Uh, But it also, uh, you know, kind of deflated the creative energy as well. And so having that opportunity to move to Sydney and, uh, you know, uh, went and saw a therapist for a while, which was great. It was just really nice to talk to someone who could, you know, just shine a light on things that uh, you say where you think you're being very fair enough about the comments you're making. And then they'll say, oh, yeah, have you ever thought this? And you go, oh. No. Actually, no, I haven't thought of that in any way whatsoever. So, uh, you know, it's always an ongoing process and, uh, you know, things can always be better. But I I kind of just felt, especially in the lead up to 45, I I felt the creative energy come back. I felt like somewhere around uh, the middle of the year. Uh, which probably also coincided with, you know, how I had uh, the three operations for the kidney stones at the start of the year, probably coincided with the the fog of the general anaesthetics. You know, it takes about six weeks for one, you know, and I had three in the middle of festivals. Oh, gosh. So I I, I, I think it was just a a confluence of moments of that finally lifting. uh, You
1: gave birth to your toxins. Yeah. (laughs) And
2: uh, they'll be home soon and i better get dinner ready. But... um. Yeah, so I, th- I think I just kind of uh, expunged that from the system and, uh, yeah, I, f- I feel like it's kind of, you know, in a good place again. I think it's it's the creative side. I've always been creative. I've always wanted to be creative, uh, you know, from when I was a kid. So, the idea that, oh, yeah, that's what you do.
1: Yeah, that's what you do. That's what you are. Oh, really? I, mean, I imagine that's the same the rebellion against that is the same thing that leads men to buy convertibles and run off with their secretaries of just don't tell me who I am. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'm not that guy. Maybe I'm the kind of guy who has a convertible. Yeah, <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I don't have a licence or a secretary, so I was, it was a disaster. You
1: had to move to Sydney and so make a d- new job.
2: Yeah. i tell you what, I don't underestimate the fact that Sydney does a hilarious version of winter. Like, <laughs> global yes. warming's been great for Sydney. Seasonal
1: affective disorder sort of doesn't have time to kick in.
2: Right. Not at all. No. And uh, I would also be a liar if I didn't say, you know, like I was working uh, up here on uh, Roven Sam's breakfast radio show and then that all kind of came to an end in the middle of the year. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty good too. <laughs> <laughs> like not not personal to Roven and Sam, but uh, everything around it. It was yes, uh, commercial
1: radio in Australia has a particular reputation for being hard on creative people.
2: Well, it's run by you know. I think the problem is it's run by people in sales. Yes. So so radio, which should be um, one of the best mediums in the country and uh, an opportunity to get lots of ideas out and really connect with people and say some really interesting things is ostensibly run by people who want to sell advertising. Yes. And they are the least interesting people alive.
1: Yes, they are. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why I do this podcast because there isn't really a place in the Australian media landscape or I'm not sure in the general landscape, but where you can really play out ideas and where you can say... Controversial things or challenging things, right? Unpick ideas without someone tapping you on the shoulder and being like, "Oh no, we're we're sponsored by those people." Or oh, right, yeah. You don't want to alienate these. You don't want to. What is it, ba- Be- Betty from Bankstown,
2: mate? Is the oh Betty is the
1: man on the Clapham omnibus for for radio people?
2: Right, it's so funny. It's it's it, and.
1: I think that's underrating the intelligence of Betty from Blacktown. To think that she's going to switch off if she meets an idea that she hasn't already met.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, people enjoy listening to uh, uh, entertainers or whatever, like being into things, like having a good time. And, you know, when you're... When you're sending out all these mixed messages, uh, this radio station uh, is for young women. So we're not going to talk about sport, but we're going to get you a rugby league team. Well, hang on. You've immediately contradicted yourself in one sentence. Have you realised that? Well, we're getting this advertising money from... Oh, right. Okay. I see what you're doing.
3: That all makes sense.
2: Yeah. So I just think uh, all the people in charge of that stuff are just really bland and uninteresting. And they have... uh, you know, they, they, there are their relationship to music, is bizarre to me as well. It's like you know, like if, uh, who's one of your favourite uh, musicians?
3: Uh,
1: Hattie Briggs, who's a London folk musician.
2: Okay, she so got, so what what do you like about Hattie?
1: I I like that she's sort of she's got all of the stuff that I grew up with, the kind of James Taylor vibe, but right. she's also very modern and very young, yeah. and she's got an incredible voice, like. Yeah, just rips you apart. It's such a good, kind of pure voice, but it's got depth to it. I, I right. really like her stuff. And also she worked with my brother a bit. so.
2: Oh, yeah, so you've got a personal connection. connection. Yeah. And uh, do, do you have a song of hers in particular that stands out?
1: I like You and I, okay. which and is b- just about relationships. And yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's just a really subtly drawn thing about the, the things about a relationship or being in love that you wouldn't. You, that you recognise when you hear them but you wouldn't think of right. off the top of your head.
2: Okay, and could you relate it to any aspect of past relationships or or did it shine a light on maybe a relationship you've had that you thought, oh, I'd never really thought that maybe that could have been going on or...
1: Yeah, it sort of made me think that uh, not a lot of my relationships have ever been particularly domestic. Right. And there's uh, something really pleasing about the way she describes domestic right. life. Yeah. As a form of love.
2: Yeah. Now, that conversation we just had, Never happens in commercial radio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you like? <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess this is good. Oh, why do you like it? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a bang and hit and it's hectic and it's all words that barely string together to form a sentence. And it's words tedious. That you use
1: instead of meaning. Yeah. Which I find insulting. So do I. Words are meant to convey meaning.
2: Right. Everyone in, uh, everyone in the Sydney office, were, oh, everything's hectic. Oh, Hectic. Oh, what did you think of that? Oh, hectic. You know.
1: Hectic is not a good thing.
2: Well, it's... it's well.
1: <laughs> By its natural definition, it's not... Right. I but guess.
2: it's uh, it annoyed me so much that I've tried my best to take hectic out of my vocabulary. Because I didn't even <laughs> want to use it. And uh, I didn't want to use it ironically and discover that it was now in there. Because I used to... I, I went through a stage where I just got really annoyed at people using cheers oh cheers oh cheers i used to say it uh, in a derogatory way and then it just slipped into my vocabulary so
1: you gotta be careful man you gotta be careful of that oh um
2: so yeah so i was um so you know that was uh uh you know i i'm, I'm very appreciative for the opportunity that it allowed me to move up here i uh, really enjoy uh, working with Rove, uh, Sam was uh, a delightful human being, so it was nice to make a new friend. And uh, you know, there were lots of positives that came out of it. And uh, but from a creative point of view, it was um, it was a banging cul-de-sac of hectic. <laughs> so uh, so uh, yeah, I think all of these things kind of uh, coincided at the same time. But yeah, I I, I don't think. Um, You know, uh, I'm fascinated by people who like things. And I'm not saying this is incorrect, but I'm fascinated by people who like things that then don't explore why they like them. Yeah. Like I like to dig into it. I like to, you know, get into the the core of something and, and try and unpack it a little bit and get new. You know, there's nothing better than getting a new insight into something over time.
1: Yeah, I think, sort of to relate to my own life, I'm always really interested in saying what I like and why I like it because um, I was brought up in a not a repressive family, but we were very Buddhist, we were very stoic, we had a lot to deal with, and so the way to deal with it was being very calm and quiet, and if there was a problem, you would try to deal with it internally. Right. Which meant that when I... ...became an adult and was in the real world... ...and had to deal with people who didn't love me... ...and didn't have my best interests at heart... Right. ...I couldn't say when I didn't like something.
2: Okay, yeah.
1: I I couldn't... I couldn't react properly. Yep. And it's very hard... ...like when there's small things, for example... uh, ...obvious example is sexism in the comedy industry. Right. You're best off dealing with it in the moment. Yep. If someone says something to you... ...you're better off going... That's not okay. Yeah, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, but I couldn't do that.
2: Oh, so what do you do? Do you walk away?
1: Well, I, this was the thing. I used to just walk away, and then I thought I have to get better at this. And my way into getting better at that was saying when I liked something and why I liked it, mm. as practice for saying when I didn't like something and knowing why I didn't like it. Yeah, because I think that's like that is absolutely the best way to deal with something in the moment. Mm. So. A friend of mine is dealing with a business issue at the moment and she presented the case to her boss as the fact that he owes her some money. Uh, they had agreed with it to do equal pay for her and a colleague and he hadn't. And so she's going into this meeting knowing that he's done her an injustice mm. and she just wanted to lay it all out in the email beforehand so she has a paper trail. Mm. And he responded with, that's a bit of a cheeky email, right?
2: Right. So what's cheeky as in...
1: Well, he's trying – I mean, what he's was doing he, – Was he
2: being – was he trying to be a little bit funny or was he He's trying being to – Dismissive? Yeah. yeah. He's
1: trying to make her small. Yeah. He's trying, you know, to put her in her place. He's trying yeah. to take her off the very – like, she's dealing with him as a business colleague. And right. he's turning her into a naughty child. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah.
1: So, if someone says something like that to you in the moment, you need to be very quick and go, that doesn't feel right. mm what doesn't feel right about it? Mm. You've changed the status of me in relation to you. I'm not speaking to you as a naughty child. I'm speaking to you as a business colleague yeah. who you owe money to. Yeah, It's incredibly unprofessional. Yeah. And if you can say that in the moment, it's so much more effective and powerful than coming back a week later and going, that thing you said to me last week or the way you introduced me to stage last week or yesterday made me feel uncomfortable and I've gone home and I've thought about it and now I'm writing, like, you know. Yeah. You're turning something into a big deal, a big drama, where if you dealt with it in the moment...
2: Mm. You can move forward You can fix quickly. it and
1: move forward quickly.
2: Or if you can't fix it, you just know immediately uh, not to waste any time with that person yeah. again.
1: The number of people, and particularly women, have come up to me saying, oh, this thing happened last night and it made mm. me feel really weird. Mm. I didn't know what to do and should I send him an email now or should I send him a message on Facebook mm. today? And you just think, it's almost too late yeah. Now, because if you do it now, it's a big deal. Yeah. Whereas if you did it in the moment...
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, it's better to deal with it than not deal with it. Oh, yeah, of course. But if you're dealing with it afterwards, you have to think very carefully about the tone and the approach and the bringing it back up again, and it yeah. all becomes a real... It becomes a drama, rather than the moment being like, back off, I'm not yeah. a pair of tits, or whatever it happens to be.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the... uh the industry is weird like that. I find it very depressing that uh, sexism is still a thing in comedy. I I don't know if it. Uh, uh, I I don't know if maybe I was being uh, a bit optimistic, or if maybe just because I think uh, all my friends are pretty good, yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, you can uh, you can really miss things uh, at certain levels. So especially in the the. Uh, the younger uh parts of the of the scenes, it seems to be more prevalent. Yes. Again. In I, part
1: because they o- have also been told or they feel like the battle is over, so they're yeah. allowed to be ironically sexist. Mm. And you know, in the context of you knowing that they're good guys and so on and so forth and it's just banter and they would say the same thing to you if you were a guy Mm. but they'd just pick on your little niggle because that's what mates do.
2: Right. But, uh, you know, it's like the the old uh, Joe Jackson lyric in Real Men where he says, uh, don't call me a faggot unless you are a friend. And it's like sometimes people will be a bit overly familiar with stuff that they joke about. Yeah, it's a shortcut
1: to intimacy. So yeah. you say something that you would only say in front of a friend. Yeah. That you know is beyond the pale. Yeah. Uh, and you see people do that all the way all the time as a, as a, it, it's a form of charm mm. of going I trust you not to make a big deal out of this because you're cool, right? Yeah. And I wouldn't say this to you unless you unless we were friends. This is not the yeah. kind of thing that you would say to and even though you're not friends it's the, it's them trying to bring you into a kind of a secret club. Right. And there's a friendly urge behind it. Yeah. But at the same time
2: but there's a, but there's also a difference if they – I reckon there's a difference if it's one-on-one compared to if there's an audience. Uh, and I don't mean a, like a, a paying audience but, yeah. you know, someone else there watching. Uh, so, then you don't have to – then someone saying something to you who, who might have the best of intentions but if there's an audience there – you have to then suddenly it's your responsibility to let that person know that you're fine with it because and you, you shouldn't have to go through that. Yeah. So just don't do it in front of people that don't know.
1: Yeah, my favourite thing, my favourite kind of default shortcut to that is just calling it hack.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, that's funny that you should say that.
1: There's nothing that will yeah. offend a young man. Yeah. You know, nothing can offend a particularly a young white man. They're, they're, off, they're quite fond of saying, well, there's nothing that offends me. Yeah. Uh, which is a form of yeah, privilege, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't like the word privilege because I think it implies that that's oh. a state above normal. I think everyone should be at that state. Yeah.
2: No, well, you know what it is. It's like, oh, well, that's, uh, that's good luck for you. Yeah. That's good luck for you that you're not offended by things. But you know but what? I'm in a position where I am offended by things. You
1: know what will offend them? Calling hack. them hack. Yeah. Calling well, them boring. Well,
2: that's funny that you should say that. My, uh, my go-to now when anyone hangs any shit on Adelaide is to go, oh, do you write for the footy show? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Oh, I didn't know you were friends with Sam Newman.
3: <laughs> yes. Oh,
2: yeah, but you know, no, that's that's hack. That's yeah. what that that's a joke they've been making every Thursday night for however many years that cancerous piece of it's shit has the been dawn on TV. Of time. And uh, if I'm trying to tell a story and it happens to be in Adelaide and I'm trying to make a point about something else and you have to feel a need to interject something about Adelaide you know what, I'm really comfortable with making it awkward. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because it, it is that, it's a, it's a it's a thoughtless thing. It's something mm. that they haven't put any thought into. Mm. Which is the definition of hack.
2: That is the definition of hack. Yes, that is exactly right. Is it, yeah, it's um It's
1: worse than a dad joke.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, at least, a, you know, like a, a pure dad joke, at least it's coming from a you know quite a gentle place for the most part yeah. <laughs> um yeah it's 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 been interesting with uh it, isn't it interesting to watch certain ideas that were once right on the right on the cutting edge and then the, and then become hack and the the one that i've noticed in the lead up to the uh uh marriage equality vote yeah remember Remember, everyone was oh, how good a gay marriage is going to be, you know, and going to
1: be so glamorous and yeah. gay, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, and uh, uh, Mickey D and I were doing a show in Adelaide on Thursday, and uh, you know, we were talking about the Corey Bernardi stuff. And uh, for for anyone who's not ac- across that, uh, this uh, primary school in Craigieburn in South Australia wanted to raise, I think they were hoping to raise like nine hundred dollars or something for disadvantaged youths, etc. And it was, you know, come. Uh, come in a dress day. You know, boys and girls come in a dress, put a dollar donation down. And of course, um, because he's an idiot and uh, the idea of a boy wearing a dress would mean that his imaginary Lord and Saviour would... uh, strike down the earth and cause another flood. That will never happen. The uh, he, boys
1: who are allowed to wear dresses are priests. Yes, exactly. <laughs>
2: and so uh, so he came out and made a big fuss about it. And then uh, a whole lot of people from Josh Thomas, etc., all got on top. And uh, the last I read it, they were up to 168,000.
3: <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> How Holy good is that?
2: So, um, so anyway, so Mickey and I were talking about that and then, of course, that segued into... Um, you know, the gay marriage vote, etc., cetera. And, uh, you know, I've just seen so many people talk about uh, how fabulous the weddings will be. And sometimes even when someone's making a good point about how you should have the yes vote and then they'll go into the fabulous wedding and then, and then it's almost a bit like, well, you you're still kind of, doing shit jokes aren't yeah, you do you know what lo- I mean yeah yeah, it's, yeah yeah so anyway so in that split second on stage I thought oh, I don't want to talk about that you know I've seen that done and uh, it's just so boring and that also, and there then are
1: plenty of unglamorous gay
3: men oh
2: yeah oh yeah most of the gay men I know so but anyway you know what I realize will be fantastic uh and you know fingers crossed everyone does the right thing and votes yes and it gets in you know it's gonna be fascinating gay divorce <laughs> oh. oh my lord because um some of my gay friends uh wow that they really still know how to stick the knife into someone that i haven't thought about for seven years <laughs> <laughs> you know when you, yeah. someone brings up something and you go oh hang on who oh did they do something recently oh no nah.
1: no it's just still uh, a s- sore point it's
2: still a sore point and you go oh okay um
1: well and also at least half of wow. gay marriages are going to be lesbian marriages right
2: Right, isn't the uh, isn't the joke the um, go on a date once and then the next day the, the lounge is yeah, moved you in?
1: Move in? Yeah, in. and and also there's the stereotype <laughs> that women stay friends with their exes.
2: Oh right, yeah, yeah, which yeah. Which is
1: either a matter of uh, which is strange to me, but it's either a matter of the scene being so small that you can't afford to.
2: Oh yeah, of course.
1: Have enemies, but
2: I'm friends with a lot of my exes. Yeah, I like a lot of my exes. You yep. know,
1: I always feel like, yeah, breaking up with someone is such a waste of a good person.
2: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I just kind of think uh, things shift and change and whatever happens kind of happens. But if you can maintain a... You know, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in you have to have some time apart to reinvent yourself and find your way. and
1: you Also just not fall back into the same habits. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But then, you know, once you've had that time you know uh, one of my uh, one of my closest friends is um getting uh, getting married and uh, i really really like her fiance really good guy and uh, sometimes i'll be sitting there and they'll be talking about stuff and and then you'll just have a member ah uh, oh, that's right we had a really tumultuous relationship okay. but what's good about it is that that times pass and we're so strong as friends that sometimes if either of us is talking about Ah, oh, yeah, you know, I've met this person and it didn't work out or whatever. We're, we're so comfortable with each other. It's like, oh, yeah, but did you do this? Oh, yeah, I guess I did do that. Or, oh, no, I didn't this time, you know. So it's – um, but it's worthwhile, I reckon, uh, to, to try and make it work. I'd hate to be um, constantly angry <laughs> about someone. It would
1: be exhausting, I think.
2: Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. There's some people out there that have had some terrible things happen that should still be angry. Mm. But uh, – yeah, far out. It's, well, yeah, it's, it's a tiring emotion, isn't it? Is it is
1: a very tiring emotion and I think it's, I don't do angry well. I do, um, I think I have a relatively long fuse. Right. And then when I'm done, I'm done.
2: Okay, so uh, when you say you're done, do, does that mean you, you you crack it or do you just, does the fuse go all the way down and then that person's Plonk, yeah. like nothing to you. You know, you're not even angry at them. Yeah, it's, it's just a, nothing.
1: it's a, it's a, it's a, it's the safety door in a bank.
2: Right. Well, it that's just a, shuts
1: down, and it's probably not healthy. There's probably some buried anger there somewhere, but oh, yeah. I don't feel like there is. Maybe I'm gonna flip out and buy a convertible at some point. But R- right.
2: Well, if I ever see you turn up in a, in a bank wearing a bike helmet and a koala <laughs> backpack and like flippers, I'll just. Give you a nod as if to say it's finally happened, and I will hope that you will give me an opportunity to leave the bank yes. before you kill everyone. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I would, I'd
1: let you go. Thank um, you. But it is that, yeah, it is. It's a weird thing. I think it's not necessarily always a good thing. No. I would rather. I think if I were the kind of person who could have fights mm. and sort of repair things afterwards, that mm. might be better. But I'm not very good at having fights, so I will. Like I have to force myself to have a fight and yeah, I'd almost yeah. rather just walk away. Oh, yeah. Which well, is why that practice of like trying to get better at saying when I don't like something before it becomes... A thing. A thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's... uh. I don't know if I'm particularly good with fights either. I, I, I guess uh, you don't mind uh, the idea of a fight if it feels like something can be fixed from it. Yes. But uh, sometimes a fight just feels like... I don't know, maybe I'd just be better coming home and getting on my balcony and yelling at the street.
1: It's a good street for yelling. You've yeah,
2: it'd be great. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. But, um, and, and once again, all of that uh, all of that type of anger and, and you know, uh, that aggression is, I just find it really counterintuitive for uh, uh, creating things and, 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 you know, and, and, and watching other... Uh, types of art, or reading, or listening to music, or whatever. And if your if your head's cluttered with, oh, I'm so angry at such and such for being blah blah blah. Well, you're not. That's a moment that you're not involved with the thing that you're meant to be connecting with.
1: Yes, I think I tend to get confused and upset rather than angry. Yeah. And then the way that I to deal with that for me at least is to make something out of it, turn it into something. Yeah. My last three shows were all about. Three, in fact, the three times that I've been most angry in my life. Yeah, just turning that into something functional rather than stewing over it. Yeah, is is my way of of handling it, articulating what it is that I- is the problem, and trying yeah. to bring the audience in, share it with somebody.
2: I feel like my best shows are things that deal with uh, really important stuff. But uh, you know, that's what Three Colours Hamo was. Uh, you know what it's like you got to you've got a you write your show you perform your show you, you do your gigs you, you 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 try to scratch out a living and then then you got to write another show and suddenly you realise that most of your life experience is involved in doing stand-up and, and that's probably the most tedious thing you can talk about on stage for an audience. It's not exactly and relatable. No, no, and, and it shouldn't be either. Like, I'd be disappointing if it was. Uh, but, uh, uh, but Three Colours Hammer came out of uh, th- that friend that I was telling you about the ex-girlfriend. Um, it w- uh, that relationship had finally come to an end and it had been... Uh, Uh, lots of good in it but tumultuous Mm. Uh, and and it was the it was the on again off again relationship you know that one and
1: I just can't quit you
2: yeah yeah or you know just um, just kept giving things a go where you know I I think there was always uh, still a love and affection for each other but just you know just it just wasn't going to work so you know maybe tried it probably gave it two more goes that we shouldn't have, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but the last thing I wanted to do was the breakup show. I just thought, oh, God. So, oh uh, yeah, so you, so you break up. Oh, wow. Okay. Welcome well, this to would be great. everybody. Yeah. So, um, so the initial, when I was working out the uh, uh, Three Colours Hamo, uh, the show was divided, you know, it was three shows and they were divided into uh, how a trilogy breaks down, which is... Uh, the first is very optimistic and the second one is quite dark and the third one is a show of resolutions. But uh, for me, it was working through the, – the whole time I was writing them, I was working through uh, the feelings that you have with relationships. So the first show is the, uh, you know, getting to know the person and things are exciting and the second one is, oh, it's all coming to an end and uh, being strong enough to acknowledge that. And then the third show is how do you resolve your feelings about those – about that relationship so you can move on mm. yeah so that's how that kind of came about but it's um yeah i always always it, you know what like all the things that i love are metaphors for other things <laughs> you know and uh and you know and, and that's why engaging with art so important i think because and I'm, I'm asking this for a specific reason have is there anything that you've uh, watched or listened to or read that at first you were dismissive of or uh, didn't like outright, and then over time have gone back to them and gone, ah, oh, that's what you were doing. Oh, this is heaps better. Like this is this is heaps better than I remember, and, and it's because you've grown and you've got more insight into the world, so now you can apply it. and And I'll g- I'll give you an example. Uh, I'll give you two examples. One was, um, as a kid, Bowie's Young Americans, which I, I liked a, a few songs off it. But overall, I, I just didn't quite get it. Yeah. Uh, and then over time, I started getting appreciation for soul music and, uh, you know, the the really good uh, on-the-fringe disco sound and... You know that's that sensibility of um, you know English beats uh, like European uh, beats with uh, with kind of almost like black singing, and uh, once I g- once I had a, a, a broader sense of that music. Then when I went back and listened to it, I was like, oh my god! And now it's one of my favourite albums.
1: Yes, yeah, I have had that experience, and it's sort of a broader one than that. I think for me, it was television. Oh, okay. And particularly. Because you didn't watch shows. a lot. No, I didn't watch yeah. really any as a kid. Yeah. And then I think there was some sort of snobbery in that as well. I d- yeah. Sort of family snobbery about what it was and the Americanness of it and the blandness of it and, and then panel shows and things like that as just a waste of time. as right. br- Brain candy. Yep. Uh, and I think, I think as I've sort of grown up and seen a little bit more, I value brain candy. Yeah, right. You know, I value just taking a break from thought. Oh, yeah. And being entertained. Yeah. And I, I have that with my own comedy of, of, you know, for me, comedy's always been more about more than just having a good time. Yeah. More than just giving your audience a good time. Yeah. That's almost, that's almost, it's necessary but not sufficient for me in a show. Yeah. The shows that I like most are shows that challenge you or shows that make you feel something or shows that kind of you take something away from. Yeah. But I've always valued the people who can just do an hour of jokes. Oh, yeah. Because I think that's an incredible skill to yeah. have.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's great to watch.
1: And it's, you know, you walk away and you don't think about anything other than that you had a nice time.
2: Yeah. I, I went and saw... Um, I was lucky enough to go and see Seinfeld and I've never really, you know... Uh, I've Of course, you respect the man, but I don't. uh, I'm not necessarily um, a fan of his stand-up, and uh, I went and saw him live, and I reckon it's one of the best stand-up shows I've ever seen. He was fantastic. I I thoroughly enjoyed watching the craft. Uh, I enjoyed the way he could make himself relatable while being completely unrelatable because of the world that he's uh, uh, crafted for himself. But he, you know, he was self-aware and. And, uh, you know, it got to the end of like 85, 90 minutes. And uh, I haven't really had a lot of interest in stand-up uh, in, in the past six months. And uh, it was like, oh, that was really exhilarating. Now, it was did he do or tackle any topics that I was overly interested in? Nah, probably not. But uh, it was great. Yeah. It was really great.
1: Yeah. And I think the amount of work that goes into that stuff, mm. uh, into making something that is accessible and inoffensive, mm. is huge.
2: Mm. Whereas I saw Chris Rock and uh, was not into that. Interesting. And I, and I would have said uh, once upon a time, uh, you know, some of the, some of his stand-up shows that I've seen on DVD are fantastic, you know, like really, really cutting-edge great stuff. But this show was uh, ostensibly about him breaking up with his wife, getting divorced. And in the show he admitted that... Uh, he messed up and he cheated on his wife. And then, okay, so if, you know, to be honest, I'm not judging any of that. I don't know what that relationship was like. I don't know what led to that. Maybe he's completely in the wrong. Maybe there were subtle signs that they should have... Divorced earlier, and they didn't. You know, you you don't know. Yeah, you maybe weren't maybe he there. was
1: using the cheating as a lever out of the relationship. You all know, of that stuff.
2: Something, you know. So, uh, so I won't. Uh, so I wasn't judging that, but um, he then proceeded later on to just do material about a how how expensive it was, and it's like, well, you, you you've already told us that you cheated, Right. Yeah. And then you know, kind of bragged a little bit about it. And, you know, you're worth heaps. And so this is your fault. So, may, you know, maybe you do need to pay for it a little bit. But then the other thing was um, he was talking about how he has to compete with his kids for their affection so he gets Drake over to help with the homework and Lady Gaga to come over and help out with dance lessons. And uh, just from just from a technical point of view, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, you you just said that you were in the wrong and now you're trying to compete with your wife for your children's affection? Like, it just... It it just felt like it was tonally deaf.
1: Yeah, well, the thing you just complimented Seinfeld on was his self-awareness. Right,
2: whereas Seinfeld comes out and, you know, says everyone's life is, you know, I think it was like, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's like, everyone's life is terrible. Your life is terrible, my life is terrible. Well, not as terrible as yours, but we're all terrible, you know, <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, of course, your life is nowhere near as bad as ours, you know, and, uh, it, and that's such a small thing, but it... Uh, it was it, it was just good craftsmanship you know it was so good
1: yeah as a, as a sort of a side note to the chris rock thing mm. i think it must be so hard to be that wealthy yeah uh and that well known i have a friend who's just got a television show and it's sort of taken off a little bit in america yep and he was you know with a girlfriend and started getting messages from all these women like incredibly beautiful women who right. were really aggressive and really sexual with him from the word go. Mm. And he's a young man. Mm. And it was just really hard for him. And right. I, know, I know you're like, wow, wow, what a difficult problem to have. No, but genuinely, that is a difficult problem to have. If you are having trouble in your relationship yeah. and there are dozens of women just coming, and just offering themselves to you, Yeah. That's a hard thing. That is a hard problem to have.
2: Is, it, is that um, Now, I'm reluctant to comment on this too much because I actually only saw the, uh, the, the fallout on social media and if I see something on social media, for the most part, I'll just kind of... If I can't find what looks to be a reputable article on it, yeah. then I'm, I'm uncertain if I really want to connect with it. But isn't that something similar to the, uh, what happened with Joss Whedon?
1: Yes, I think so.
2: Was that him saying, you know? Uh, and now uh, I, I kind of get the impression that maybe, uh, maybe I'm giving him a little bit more credit. Uh, so, uh, for anyone who's more across this than me, please don't think I'm taking his side because I'm not a hundred percent across it myself. But uh, I got the impression that he uh, really upset his wife and and said that he had affairs, but he didn't. Uh, he didn't know how to cope with it and it's like, oh, well, I guess if you were a, a pudgy, receding, red-headed nerd and then suddenly a lot of these really attractive actresses not only want to work on your show but think you're, you know, a writing god kind of thing. Yeah, it's, Maybe the, like it's, a, it, it's
1: it, the flip side of socialisation. It socialization, would be That, you know, women don't ask men out that yeah. thing of like, well, why, don't, why can't I get asked out by women? Why is it always the man who has to do the asking? And it is yeah. a difficult thing for men. Yeah. They l- have to learn to take rejection early in a way that women don't as much yeah. for the most part. Yeah. But equally, they don't have that training that women have of, of learning how to say no. Yeah. You have to say no if you want to you know, protect yourself, if you want to live a reasonable life. Yeah. You have to be able to say no. It's a skill. Yeah. And women learn it early. Yeah, um, women learn it the first time some guy leans out of a car when you're 16 and says, "Get in the car."
2: Oh yeah, I'll right. I'll take you
1: for a ride, baby, and right. you, you have to go. Oh no, thank you, and you have to do it in a nice way so that you're not causing ill will, and right. you know, big for the fear of violence or there's there's a there's a sort of an implicit fear of violence. Even if a yeah. you know threat of violence is present, you know that an angry man is a dangerous thing. You know? Yeah, and on a really fundamental, visceral level, even if you've never had a man v- be violent to you. You can you can smell it in the air that yeah. that, that men are dangerous. Testosterone oh, yeah. is a dangerous drug, or that men can be dangerous. Yeah. and you don't want to take the risk, so you have to learn how to say no. You have to say learn to how to say no politely, yeah, kindly, yeah, definitely, yeah. Not no, and then they think they can call you tomorrow. Oh no, right. but maybe another day. You know that you have to learn that skill, and it's a skill. Mm. And that's saying no to things that you don't want. There's a different skill in saying no to things that you do want. Mm. And I, I, I think that is, a, it's a learned skill. And mm. I, of course, you know, you have a responsibility when you've made a commitment. All of that stuff, He's, mm. it's an inexcusable thing to, to break that. Yeah and of course his wife has every right to be angry and he did something that was very Oh wrong. yeah
2: yeah like i you know uh, it's um it's, it's so hard when uh when there's so much uh you know
1: but to say that something is wrong is not to say it's completely impossible to understand
2: right yes exactly yes that's the that's definitely the uh the point i reckon uh you know i i think uh i definitely found it difficult to Learn how to say no to certain things as well. And, uh, you know, uh, that relationship that we were talking about, I, I, you know, as I said, there were two more times that I gave it a go. And both times was, well, I, well, you know, we seem to have apologized and made amends. And why, you know, maybe I should give it another go. Yeah. You know, whereas now I'd just be like, no, no. Yeah. You know what, I'd like to be friends with you, so how about we just uh, fast-track this shit and uh, get rid of this now. Yeah. Uh, did you happen to watch Twin Peaks at all? No, I haven't. Ah, have you ever watched Twin Peaks? No, never. Uh, oh, okay. It's
1: a, it's, in, it's on the very long list of things that I want to watch. My problem is also that because I have no habit of watching TV, yeah. I only ever watch it with someone.
2: Right, so, right. Which
1: means that like my viewing is constrained by other people's tastes, mm. but also... Like I was starting to watch the handmaiden's Tale with a friend, mm. and he just shorted out on episode two. It's like, "I can't handle this, I can't stand it. It's too much oh, don't like seeing women in distress, don't like seeing oh right, you know, and it was it was coming from you know he's got a kind heart, yeah, and he couldn't handle the whole the awfulness of
2: mm. the thing of the yeah. world,
1: which I found fascinating and interesting, and I think it's a really I've read the book of course, and, mm. and it's a really brutally clear demonstration of how quickly and easily rights can be removed, how Mm. quickly and easily social norms can be changed Mm. and how vulnerable we all are to that in a world where we feel safe.
2: You know, we're we're seeing it uh, today uh, for anyone who would be uh, across this. Today was the day where... Uh, in America, the NFL, which is a very conservative sport. Yes. You know, the NBA, the basketball, uh, the NBA shines a light on star players and we are in an era of some very articulate star players like LeBron James, who is by far the best player of his generation, probably one of the top three players of all time mm-hmm. and has, you know, had the N-word spray painted all over his uh, house in uh uh in LA just before the finals this year and came out and spoke beautifully and articulately about you know it doesn't matter that you're a billionaire you know you're still treated uh, poorly etc but uh uh, the NFL is a very conservative you know lots of white billionaire owners you know that kind of thing it uh, the the sport itself they wear helmets and pads so you can't really you, you can't you know apart from maybe a Tom Brady or you know two or three players no one really stands out and it's kind of that uniform that uh, makes players just fall into line with the club and uh, there's a player called Colin Kaepernick who uh, was uh, wouldn't stand for the national anthem last year because he was trying to draw a uh, shine a light on uh, Black Lives Matter and subsequently has can't get a can't get a game. Can't even get a tryout even though he would be better than at least a third of the quarterbacks in the league. And uh, certain players, you know, there, there's been some fear of doing this kind of thing and uh, Donald Trump came out and had a crack and today all these players kneeling, you know, and uh, while the National Anthem is playing and, uh, you know... I I've think
1: that, yeah, because it's become more than just about Black Lives Matter, it's become a matter of free speech.
2: right. And, you know, people standing alongside uh, their, you know, white men uh, kneeling alongside uh, their fellow black players or linking arms. A lot of them were linking arms. And, uh, you know, I I found I find all of that stuff quite uh, emotionally moving, you know. Uh, I, I love seeing, you know, it's... Uh, do I wish we lived in a world where that didn't have to happen? Of course. But yeah. uh, when you have something like that happening. Uh, I'm, I'd be... Um, that's interest. Uh, I'd be interested to know. Do, have you seen much of David Lynch's stuff?
1: Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Not
2: much. I, I know some people who didn't watch it because of uh, you know uh, th- they have an issue with David Lynch's approach to women, which I find. I've
3: Never
1: heard of. I don't know his personal life. What is his attitude to women?
2: I think it's more. I don't think it's. I don't think it's his personal life. I think it's in his art. Ah. You know, and bad things do happen to women, and uh i it's it's a little bit fascinating actually because uh i am not saying that watching it and some you know seeing a woman get punched in the face is and you know if 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 you have a visceral reaction to that i'm not discounting that but i'm uh, i'm curious uh so this this gets back to me saying you know how you reevaluate something later mm. so the first twin Pigs came out when it finished it finished on a cliffhanger and then it didn't get renewed, and that cliffhanger was never resolved. And then a movie came out like a couple of years afterwards. And as a kid, I went to see it, and I was like, "Oh, we're going to get that cliffhanger resolved." But instead, it was a prequel, and it was about you know, it's the the, the thing that sets off Twin Peaks is the death of Laura Palmer. Mm. And I I went and saw it at the cinema. It got booed in cans, and uh, it was not um, it was not well received, and was considered a you know, a young Quentin Tarantino who'd just broken onto the scene with the Reservoir Dogs declared that he'd never watch another David Lynch movie again, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, so I just watched The, the Return, which uh, about four episodes in, uh, the first four episodes I loved. Mm. And then about episodes uh, six and seven, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is good. I think this might be a bit shit. And then episode eight happened and I realised I wasn't watching it. Correctly, I wasn't. I was. I was watching it too much. Uh, it was like it was like I was watching it through a, a viewfinder, and I, what I needed to do was watch it at the IMAX screen and approach it that way. And then from there, I loved it. I just I, I thought it was so interesting. I found it really inspiring. I found it. Uh, I found it really creative. And I, I love. I love seeing old dudes. You know, men, women still connecting with their art, you know. Nothing better than seeing a Meryl Streep movie and seeing, you know, her, the way that she reinvents herself all the time. And, and I was really loving that David Lynch was still true to himself and, and uh, creating this whole world, et cetera. Anyway, I went back and re-watched it, uh, 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 the movie, and I suddenly realised I, I, I think what he did was Laura Palmer was... Uh, you know, she she was the dead girl, who was the the, the MacGuffin. Yeah, and you know, the, you you found out stuff about her. But I think um, I went back and watched the movie, and I was like, oh, I think uh, I think what you did was you fleshed her out as a person. And uh, in hindsight, I th- I think he was way ahead of the curve.
1: Yeah, that's really <laughs> interesting. Yeah,
2: way way ahead of me, completely ahead of me. Yeah, because I went in with the presumption of this is what it's going to be and this is what I want it to be and it's not, so oh, this is shit. Yeah. And I, I think we do that with so many uh, – all all sorts of uh, art forms, movies, TVs, whatever, that you just go, okay, well, this is going to be this. And when it's not, you get offended. Now, it doesn't mean you have to always enjoy a, a turn someone takes. Like, you know, like mm. I'm, I'm a big fan of Arcade Fire, but I haven't particularly enjoyed their last two albums. Mm. I don't think they're bad. Yeah, they're, they're just not for me, and yeah. I'll, I'll keep giving them a go. Because for a while. Yeah, you know, I've built up a lot of goodwill. Yeah, yeah, you know, well, you've you've made me happy with the first three. I'll um, I'll come back and check it out, and maybe you know, a couple of months, and see if something's clicked or whatever. But um, anyway, I was hoping that you'd seen uh, the return because I would have been fascinated to know uh, what your thoughts were on, uh, on that stuff.
1: Well in an abstract way I think there are a number of different ways of dealing with violence to women mm. in fiction. Mm. One is, and, and our reactions to that, like one is that it, it's a shorthand. Mm. Women historically speaking, biologically speaking, are more vulnerable than men mm. and so it is men's job again biologically speaking now we live in a world where those jobs are taken by the state and we are protected our physical safety and security is protected by the police and by the law and by the government in that way but in a really fundamental level yeah in a really (laughs) fundamental level women are more physically vulnerable than men yeah and so it is the job of men to look after women Mm. so using violence against women as an initiating factor that is a as an instigating factor it's a shorthand you understand that this man has had his his he's had a failure mm. he has failed to protect the woman he loves the mm. person whose job it is for him to protect yeah or the person he cares about or or just women in general yeah as an instigating factor that's a good point to start because mm. you start with a terrible failure and a wound to the male ego mm. and there's a problem with that because it centers on the effect to the man not on the effect to the woman which mm. is she got killed or put in a fridge or whatever it happens to be Oh yeah yeah but if you take you know the male protagonist as a central kind of narrative character mm. then it's just a really good shorthand it, you'll often see when it's a woman who's the protagonist it's her child who gets killed and that is the same that is the same narrative instigation. Mm. It's not her husband who gets killed. Yep. It's her child. You know, Kill Bill, perfect example yep. of that. It's a shorthand for the most ultimate loss and the most ultimate failure yeah. of you as a, as a protagonist or as a hero or as a central character. You started from that point. So the whole story has to be a redemption arc right. from there to bring you back to a point where you can feel good about yourself mm. again. I think the second way to to deal with violence against women is to show it as artistically as how bad it is, mm. how bad it can be, and to try and bring that home to the audience.
2: Yeah, I, th- um, I think I think that's what Lynch does. Like that's my interpretation of it. And I think, uh, I think, like I think women in his art, in in his movies, etc., often get they often get punished for not being what the guy wants them to be, you know that kind of thing, yes, and but I think in depiction of that uh i i don't i I don't think he's saying that's right, no, I think he's just showing how ugly the world can be sometimes, and because he because he's also a strange dude and he brings in these weird ideas as well uh you know around it, um my interpretation of it is that you know he does kind of shine a light on that 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 ugly side of life. and Yeah, and
1: that's a really worthwhile thing to do. I think yeah. where it runs into problems is things like Game of Thrones. Um, I haven't actually watched much of the series. Again, uh, the person I was watching it with, uh, I ended up in a different country, so I fell right. off that wagon. But in the books, I stopped reading after a while because, again, it's, it's a shorthand for how ugly the world is right. when you see young women being abused or sexually exploited <sighs> by the people yeah. who should look after them. Yeah but I felt like it was done too often and it was done gratuitously.
2: The, you know what? The, I, I totally agree. And, uh, you know, I think... Uh, that's in the
1: books. I don't know how it's dealt with in the series.
2: Well, you know, didn't George R.R. R. Martin just sort of say, but, you know, that's what happened in the real world. Uh, this is what would happen to women and so that's how he justified it. And it's like, okay, well, you know, that's if, if that's your aesthetic, I understand where you're going to, but uh, I haven't read the books, but in the series, you know, there were the, I, I can think of two... I can th- what a horrific thing to have to say but I can think of two rapes that uh I just think were lazy writing
1: yeah because it, again it's a shorthand for yeah. how bad people can be yeah and you can show that in other ways there's yeah. other ways to show you know like uh, uh, hack movies often have the the villain be sexually perverted yeah you know whether in the olden movies it was uh, uh subtly writing them as queer yeah or you know, in later times, it's often that they're abusive to women, or that they have yeah. some, you know, the pedophilia or some nasty sexual perversion, and that's yeah. just a shorthand for saying this is a bad, warped person. Yeah, but you can show that in other ways.
2: Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, it's uh, on the on the flip side of that. Two two examples of people then getting their backs up on something that it's like, oh, no, I, like I agree with your argument over here with, say, Game of Thrones, but I think you're getting it wrong here. One is I saw, a, I read a, a review of the new HBO series The Deuce. Have you heard about that? No. It's uh, created by David Simon, who created the TV series uh, The Wire, which is considered one of the greatest TV series of all time. One of my favourites, which was a series called Treme, Which was uh, set in New Orleans uh, after the hurricane, and it's it's just about their lives. Oh yeah, and I think that series is, you know, people would watch it and say nothing happens, and it's like no, no, no. But there's no overarching story. It's all about the characters. Anyway, the Deuce is about. uh, So this article was saying, oh, the women in the Deuce, like you know, it's a good series, but they get short shrift, uh, like they do in so many HBO series, but. The Deuce is set in 1971 and is about the monetization of the porn industry and they're, they're street workers. Yeah, and the whole
1: point is that they get short shrift. I, yeah,
2: I haven't seen this. Yeah, but that's, that, that's what happened. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And also I think it's from the two episodes that I've seen so far, I, like one, one woman has something bad happen to her but there's all these – different degrees like maggie gyllenhaal is uh one of the main characters and she is also an executive producer on it and has helped devise her character and uh what every scene i see her in i think she's in complete her character is in complete control like i she might be a street worker mm. but she is she's she's the uh she's the protagonist in every scene that i've seen her in and so that to me is yeah be angry at game of thrones but you can not don't get angry at the Jews. Like that's that, that's what the story's about. Yeah. So that's that seems like a a weird thing to
1: yeah. I think because then, then jump you're making up. gun a very quickly these days. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and, definitely. And probably now,
1: because they're bored of oh yeah of bad, bad treatment of women, which exists. Oh
2: yeah, for sure. So you are, sure. are
1: oversensitive to a spot that's been poked a thousand times.
2: Oh yeah, but also, uh you know. Uh, once again, because I love something, I, I, I dig into it. One of the th- main things that David Simon did when uh, when putting the writing group together is, um, you know, he's got guys that he's worked with on The Wire and Treme and all of that. But there's uh, a lot of women on the staff and uh, uh, I think there, uh, there's, you know, he's, he said he had different sexual orientations uh, as writers and, uh, you know, I think there's uh, a couple of transgender people because, uh, as he said... I didn't want this to be a story about a very sensitive time written by two old white guys. Yeah. So that, that yes, you should be upset about these things, but when something good comes along, that is shining a light on it. And, and it is giving the nuanced character. As you were saying, you know, there's different ways to show weaknesses and strengths and and you're not resorting to those cliches. Well, let it play out. Don't, don't try and stifle it.
1: Yeah, give it, it some time and space. Here's
2: your thing. Here it is. This is this is what you should be watching. And maybe we should, um, you know, be disencouraging people from watching things about dragons that do keep that shorthand.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think it's a really interesting time that we live in now in, in the way that discussions play out, in the way that lines get drawn in the sand very quickly, mm. in the way that people get damned by association. Mm. You know, that if if for example you find out a scandal about a particular man or woman who's done something wrong mm. the idea that their friends should immediately renounce them oh yeah and condemn them publicly and if their friends remain silent or try to justify them or try to defend them yeah it's immediately guilt by association yeah to a really marked degree that that somebody should be treated as badly as if they'd done the actual sin if they withhold their condemnation and that's yeah. a really it's a really nasty urge that I see playing out, it's a really Everything's in 140
2: characters, isn't it? Yeah, and it's a
1: really unpleasant urge.
2: And, you know, I'll just read I'll, I'll just read what this person has to say. Oh, yeah, that's my opinion made up because I want to flick on to the next thing that's just underneath it. Oh, yeah, that's made up my opinion. I'll just flick on to the next thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't well, know I'm what done. I
1: think about that. Let me see what yeah. my tribe thinks about that. Right,
2: whereas, uh, you know, that, that's, why, that's why I was very careful about unpacking that Joss Whedon stuff because...
1: You don't want uh, to defend.
2: Well, uh, like I, I, I saw uh, I saw the outrage, and I saw people jumping on it, and then I I, I never really uh, I found a couple of things that just kind of stated what happened, but I I didn't really find anything that I felt like I could trust that unpacked it in a way that I could go, oh okay yep all right well you know what that's bullshit that is in the wrong or oh, I can kind of understand how that would have happened even though the outcome is bad like do you know what i mean it's um i i'd, I'd rather admit that i'm not quite across something and not try to well. justify it or that but and, and and i think that's what you were saying about guilt by association as well sometimes people will come out and stand up for their friend like if, you know if one of my friends did something terrible i would stand by my friend in some way, yeah, I well would certainly feel a need. not
1: join into the potato throwing, right? You'd be like, well, you know, that's a bad thing that's happened, and yeah. they've done a bad thing. I don't know the full story, or yeah. I'm going to stand by them even though I know they've done this bad thing. And it depends what level the bad thing is at, and all of that stuff. Yeah, it was
2: interesting when the uh, the Eddie Maguire stuff went down, you know, a few years ago now, and uh, you know the the King Kong reference in relationship to everything that had gone down with Adam Goods and you know people piled on yeah and you know you saw some people like Jane Kennedy who you know who um, I love Jane Kennedy I've got a lot of respect for her and uh, but she came out and really supported Eddie and but what he said was wrong but I'm not I'm not justifying it but I I knew exactly what had happened when it, when it all played out because the stuff had gone down at the game on the Friday and then all of that had gone over the weekend and I thought he actually did a really good job of getting on the front foot with it. Yeah. But then that morning when he works – what does he work? 26 hours in a day and is Eddie everywhere and everyone tells you your opinions are impenetrable and uh, bulletproof and then he made a word association
4: yeah. in his
2: head. He made a word association – made a comment that he shouldn't have made my my issue with it came afterwards which was I just I I didn't think he deserved to be piled on for that I just thought you have to deal with it better
1: you have to own it yeah
2: you have to yeah you just you just have to but uh, you know in his defense it's also hard to own something while everyone's piling on when he's Anyway, and then now all this other stuff's coming out, you know, about uh, uh, ex-players talking about the racism at the club, and then you see uh, some of our friends who are high-profile Collingwood supporters coming out supporting the club, and then it's like, well, you know, and then you, then you're looking and you're thinking, well, should you be supporting your club if, like, do you do you know the inner workings? And anyway, it's it's a minefield out there. Yeah. Be careful, people. <laughs>
1: yeah, and also that not 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 everything is all good or all bad. No. I think that one of the things that people are missing at the moment is a classic kind of mediation tactic, Mm. which is conceding a point to your opposition.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah, you can't, can you? You can't, you you, you cannot uh, concede a point because that is weakness.
1: Yes, and there's that whole put him in the bin. That Mm. is a rubbish person, put him in the bin, Mm. rather than... This is a person who's good in this way and bad in this way. What mm. they did bad was bad. Mm. There are these other things. They don't balance out. They just both exist.
3: Mm.
1: You don't have to ruin somebody's whole... You don't have to assume that they're a terrible... I don't, I don't know. Uh, I was thinking about this in, in terms of the same-sex marriage debate mm. and my friend who went to ask for money from her boss who owed her money mm. of... Trying to understand where they're coming from. Yeah. If only because it makes it easier to figure out what to say to them. Mm. If you understand where they're coming from, you can make a better argument. And it depends.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It depends
1: if what you want to do is win and feel good about yourself or make some compromise. Mm. And I know that to some people, compromise feels like failure. Some people, compromise feels like losing particularly for people who've been oppressed and have been losing for a long time in various ways and they just want to win.
3: Mm. Uh,
1: but I, I, this might sound really controversial. Uh, I understand where people who have a straight marriage would feel that gay marriage is different. Right. Because in, if you're in a straight relationship, you have a man and a woman, presumably you have some sort of... Uh, nuanced and careful and gentle relationship between the two of you in a marriage. Let's put aside bad marriages and say a really good marriage. Sorry, do you
2: mean th- most marriages? Yeah. Yep.
1: Put aside bad <laughs> marriages, most marriages. And you yep. say, you know, most marriages between a man and a woman have a, a woman doing womanly things mm. and she has some masculine qualities and some feminine qualities and they interact in a very subtle and special way with her m- male counterpart. You have, mm. you have a relationship that is in part... Uh, cultivated by the fact that there is this difference in gender and that you play different roles and you support each other in different ways and there's like a really strong meshing. Mm. And part of that meshing is the fact that you are a man and a woman. Mm. I can understand why it would be difficult from that perspective, understanding your marriage from the inside, to look at some other kind of marriage and go, well, I don't understand how that works. I don't understand how you have this kind of relationship when part of this kind of relationship is our gender. Right. Part of this kind of relationship is this kind of thing, and and I think the answer to that is there are heaps of different relationships.
2: Oh yeah, and yeah. there is a
1: subtle and nuanced relationship I- in gay couples as well, and they they'll support each other in subtle and de- delicate ways.
2: As yeah, well. I see the point you're making. I I I I, uh, I I don't see that at all. But I think that's not. Uh that's not me disagreeing with your point. I think it's because I often don't get things that people get upset about.
3: Yeah, I. Think you know,
2: so to to me, it's like, well, what's what's the matter? It's just a, it's just a marriage with different bits. Yeah, of course, That's which all is it the is. truth. Yeah. But I think. If but you, I d- but you, I don't understand you, how they.
1: If you try and take it, if you try and take their perspective, which yeah. not a lot of people are trying to do, no. because you see it as. Uh, And in many, and often it is just bigotry. Mm. But where is the bigotry coming from? And it's coming from a good place. Right. This is going to sound very controversial, but it's coming from a place where they love their wife or Mm. they love their husband Mm. and they think they are special. Mm. Everyone thinks they're special. And they think that something about that specialness is to do with the fact that she's a woman and he's a man. Right. And if you concede that, then you can start having an actual discussion that isn't going to sound to them like you saying your relationship isn't special. Mm. Because that's the, that's the argument now. Right. That, that seems to be the argument. And no one, you know, from the, from the side of, of same-sex marriage proponents,
3: mm.
1: our relationship is special. Our relationship deserves to be acknowledged. Mm. And from the side of traditionalists our relationship is special and part Mm. of what is special is this history and part of what is special is our gender. Right. And you say, well, you know, if you can acknowledge that, then you can actually have a conversation rather than on one side going, meh, bigots, and on the other side going, meh, perverts.
2: Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like uh, I I completely agree with the unpacking of it so you, you know, you can understand it and you can therefore hopefully make a cognizant argument that – you know, gets through. Um, that's really interesting though because I just don't understand it, but I'm not really a fan of marriage. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm probably bringing my uh, my blinkered view to it and, and biases as well. It's, Maybe I'm
1: giving them too much credit. Well,
2: you know, it's like, I don't know, you are, you, you're doing what you're uh, preaching which is try to understand it so you can uh, try and find a way to – To meet and greet. Um,
1: The reason that I have this view mm. is because of my mum and dad's relationship. Right. Which was in many ways very traditional because my mum was sick. So she was at home and my dad was working. Right. So he was out doing the man things and he was looking after her physically and and all of that stuff. And after she died... uh, my dad was coming up to possibly retiring or Mm -hmm. figuring out what he was going to do next and how he was going to build his life because looking after mum was a full-time job and he had a full-time job and he had to think, who am I? Yeah. Other than looking after my family because my children are grown up and, and my wife is dead. Who am I and what am I doing? Yeah. And he said this really striking thing to me. He said, I don't know what to do because I can't, bring it home and show it to Lucy. Right. And so her role was so deep, mm. even though from the outside she didn't, she didn't do anything. Mm. She was just sick and being looked after. All of his achievements in life, everything he ever did was reflected back to him in her eyes. Right. Which was fundamental to his personality, fundamental to his identity. Right was her being there and caring about him. She yep. couldn't care for him, yep. particularly in the later years. Yeah. But her caring about him was so deep and so profound. Right. And so just knowing that, I think because that's such a traditionally gendered relationship, the way that right. played out, was the first step in me when I was trying to understand where are these people coming from? Because my first response, my first initial reaction, mm. I've grown up in this generation, I'm university educated, I'm in the arts, mm. it was completely incomprehensible. Why can't these people understand? Mm. And maybe I'm doing them too much credit. Maybe they are just bigots. Maybe they are just people who hate gay people.
2: I I, I think it's... Um, I, I don't know if it is uh, that passionate with some people... I think uh, uh, it feels like, I feel like people are too uh, rooted to tradition and tradition is the enemy of progress. And I think everyone kind of forgets, we made made it up. Yeah, which
1: is why I constantly write those jokes about the old formats of marriage that have existed, that have been traditional, that are to our modern eyes completely insane. Like marriage has changed... A lot. Like stats. Solomon had a thousand concubines, right? Right. And God's objection to them was not that he had a thousand concubines, but that some of them were the wrong religion. Yeah. Like, this is fact. Yeah. And
2: so uh, people just need to... um The thing is, is that a yes vote will have a lot of effect for a bunch of people... Uh, in, in a really positive way. Yes. And for the people who vote no, their lives will be completely the same still. Yes. It, like, even if, it, if, the, if the yes vote gets in, the people who voted no, they'll be fine.
1: They'll be fine. Nothing will have changed for nothing. them. Nothing. And I, I, think, I think that is the argument for the yes vote, is mm. saying nothing will change for you yeah. if you vote for my rights. You know, it won't yeah. affect you at all.
2: Yeah. Imagine if you were sick and uh, you were, and you died, and because of the law, uh, all of our possessions that we had together went to someone else's family, and I can't make yeah. a claim on them. Yeah. Or yeah, if, you if know. we
1: adopt a child. Yeah. You know, then, and then you die, and yeah. you, you're the one whose name was on the papers for whatever reason. Yeah. Then I don't have rights over our child. So yeah. All of those things are, I think, the reason why we should change. Yeah. The law, but
2: I. I it's fascinating. I think the because
1: I want it to go through. I I feel like you have to find out what, how they feel, not just what they think, but how yeah. they feel and and how you can, engage with that realistically.
2: Yeah, I I used to feel that way, but I I, I feel like uh, the the majority of conservatives, not all conservatives, but the majority of conservatives are just nah. And I I find that uh, you know. That I find that incredibly frustrating because, you know, you can probably say this is why small-l liberals uh, are perceived as wishy-washy. Yeah. Because I could be, you know, I could be in a situation where I believe something and then if you made a, a really good point, I will concede that. Oh, well, you know what? That is actually a really good point. And you know what? You are correct about that and that's fair enough. And uh, rather than for for whatever reason society deems the ability to learn and apply as a weakness.
1: Yes, yeah, it's seen as flip flopping, which you see in the way that we approach
3: our politicians. Yeah,
2: I'd, uh, I had I, a what was it? I, I wish I could remember this. Uh, there was something that I had a view on, and I had a girl write to me and point out uh, why she felt the way she did, and as soon as I read it, I was like oh, yeah, you know what, I have approached this completely incorrectly and, uh, and I changed my view on it and it was, uh, you know, and I, I replied, you know, sort of pointing that out and said, so, oh, yeah, thank you, yeah, that's really good. I, I, I just had come at it from a not very deep level. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about it uh, and uh, hadn't looked at it from the correct angle yeah you know, and uh, uh, you know personally, I think that is you know I'd rather be that person than you know the guy who always says that the young Americans album isn't good,
1: yeah, it's that Paul Graham thing, I think keeping your identity small mm. means that you can take points on board, oh yeah, not personal attacks, yeah, right, if you say uh, i'm a f- I'm a vegetarian mm and then you know you eat something and there's some animal product in it mm. then it, it's a, an attack on your identity mm. whereas if you say i don't eat meat very often mm. yeah, sometimes it happens yeah so, but but on a broader scale all of that i think is really useful yeah it's not as comfortable it's not as comforting because you don't no. necessarily know who you are or what you are right but you can you can see you can you can be more and ag- and then again This is me always complicating things there are some identities that you can't escape right there are some things that get put on you and so you can either embrace those things you can't run away from them you have to accept them and Mm. then if those get attacked then it feels terrible because not only have they been put on you yeah now you're being attacked for something that you can't help yeah you can neither escape from it nor fix it
2: there's something very interesting about the life you live and the life that people perceive you live Mm. Uh, because uh, no matter how much you say to yourself, well, no, th- this is who I am, then uh, that doesn't... Like, people will still treat you the way they perceive you. Yes. And uh, and therefore you react to it. Yeah. And however you react to it is how that life plays out and it's it's quite quite fascinating, you know. To some people, you might be the tallest person they've ever met. But to other people, you're the shortest. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, it's fascinating to try and uh, – it's not something that I'm uh, overly interested in. Mm. But I think it's something to be aware of, uh, especially, you know, especially sometimes when – like, is there nothing worse than, you know, someone who complains about money who realistically just had a bad week? Yes. But they are – full of cash.
1: Yeah. It's so the same with the uh, fat, <laughs> fat shaming. Oh yeah. Women who yeah. are like, Oh, I'm so fat. And then their friend who is yeah, like, very fat. Yeah.
2: And who, like has issues.
1: And has issues with that is just incredibly, that's an incredibly insulting thing to say. Yeah. Oh, I'm too fat. And they're four times the size of you. Right. When what you mean is I'm not comfortable in my
3: body. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Man, you know, Life is complicated. <laughs> Life is complicated. That's a good
3: conclusion.
1: Thank you. Uh, where can people find you online, Justin Hamilton?
2: Uh, they can find me uh, on Twitter uh, at Justin Hamilton underscore. Uh, I've, I've quite taken to Instagram, Justin Hamilton comedian. I really like it.
1: It's very positive.
2: It is really positive and it's fun. And uh, I like to put some things up there. Uh, And for... Oh, well, two things. One is, uh, if you live in Sydney, these are two things to keep an eye out for. Uh, I'm producing a show at Giant Dwarf for Rove McManus called The Popular Experiment. And we are going to be doing a show that is ostensibly... Entertainment is spread across many different platforms. And we're going to shine a light on a few things that we think you might enjoy. So uh, we're going to have people talking podcasts, video games, movies... Uh, i'm going to be doing a segment on music i'm going to be doing the follow-ups to one hit wonders and we'll have a listen and uh, decide uh whether they were lucky or unlucky with their careers and uh at the end of november i'm writing uh a play called uh three dancers with john Tilde animus which is about uh uh ostensibly uh a writer writing himself back into existence and uh yeah. Anyway, that's all I'll tell you. And you know what? If 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 you if you were like me and you enjoyed the ambiguity of David Lynch's return to Twin Peaks, then I think this will be right up your alley. And if you are a fan of stuff that I've done before, do not expect a typical linear clockwork storytelling tale. This is going to be quite something Something different it's going to be quite different uh, and uh, as I said to my producer Kathleen if 50% of the audience stands up and applauds and 50% walk out I will 100% have succeeded
1: all right I'm looking forward to it thank you so much
2: thank you
4: Doffers at every frame, loudly rifle dawn, loudly rifle day. On Monday morning when she comes in, she hangs her coat on the highest pin, turns around for to view her frames, crying, Damn you doffers, cry up your ends, loudly rifle dawn, loudly rifle day." And when the boss he looks round the door. Tie our ends up, first he will roar. We'll tie our ends up, we surely do. For Elsie Thompson, but not for you. lally rifle, oh, all rifle day. Oh, Elsie Thompson is going away. Is it tomorrow or yet today? We'll tie our and leave our frames and wait for Elsie to return again. Lovely rifle doll, lovely rifle